Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like my Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. The Gangster Chronicles podcast is a weekly conversation that revolves around the underworld. From criminals and entertainers to victims of crime and law enforcement, we cover all facets of the game. Gangster Chronicles podcast doesn't glorify or promote illicit activities. We just discuss the ramifications and repercussions of these activities. Because after all, if you play gangster games, you are ultimately rewarded with gangster prizes. Our Heart Radio is number one for podcasts, but don't take our word for it. Find the Gangster Chronicles podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast. What grows in the forest? Our imagination and our family bonds. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Hey, it's Dua Lipa. I'm here to tell you about my brand new podcast, Dua Lipa at Your Service. I'll be sitting down with the world's most inspiring minds to uncover what makes them tick and what they've learned from the obstacles life has thrown at them, including Sir Elton John. After a lot of upsets, a lot of disappointments, a lot of betrayals, it's turned out to be the most wonderful life right now that I could have ever imagined. Listen to Dua Lipa at Your Service on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Creed Bratton, and I played Creed Bratton on The Office. It's <laughs> so amazing. So amazing. None of those have been funny before. Hello, everyone. This is The Office Deep Dive, and I am your host, Brian Baumgartner. Today, I am pleased to present to you America's favorite weirdo, Creed Bratton. Uh, I know the Dos Equis guy thinks that he is, but Creed truly may be the most interesting man on earth. Seriously, if you don't know Creed's story, oh, buckle up, folks. 
Creed was a professional musician before The Office, like a legit toured with the doors musician. And of course, he is still a musician to this day. And though, as far as I know, he's no longer doing cocaine with Jim Morrison. But more on that shortly. Needless to say, every time I get to see Creed is a is a total delight. In fact, the night before this interview you're about to hear, Creed invited myself, uh, Angela Kinsey, Rain Wilson, and others to participate in a benefit concert that he was giving for uh, the wildfires that were ravaging Australia at the time. And let me tell you, I'm sure I was terrible, but Creed was awesome. It was so amazing. I felt transported back in time as he is playing to an absolute packed house on the Sunset Strip at the Roxy. It was so fun. Anyway, uh, sitting down with Creed for this conversation was strange and wonderful, and I hope that it will be for you as well, both strange and wonderful. And be sure to stay tuned at the end of this episode uh, because I brought Creed back in for a second interview, the first time that's happened, because I wanted to talk to him about his song Bubble and Squeak and why we chose it to be our theme song, the song you're about to hear. So please, welcome to your ears, Mr. Creed Bratton. Bubble and Squeak You guys rocked, rocked out. Thank you, man, for coming here. It was a good cut. The people loved it. You can see yeah. it. They absolutely loved it. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Here we go. Man, this yeah, is my... Like yeah, I, I do. The guy on your left is your volume. All right. Thank you, sir. Do, 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 do. One, two, one, two. Hello, hello, hello. He's going to start singing, you guys. Uh, there we are. Hi. Hello, Brian. Hey, hey buddy. buddy. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Um, that was very fun last night. It was great. Thank you so much for coming. Man. Yes. Well, you know, anything for the animals or for you. Indeed. And for right, right back at you. Via V, as I would say. Yeah. So it's been so amazingly fun just talking to people. Um, you had, Greg, so you had Greg for four hours, you said. I had Greg for four hours. Wow. But it has come to our attention that he talks really slow. <laughs> so I think it's more like an hour and 45 minutes. It's where there's a train passing through. Yeah. Yes, yes. Well, he's smarter than all of us well, combined. Without a yeah. doubt. Without a doubt. Yes. Okay. So I want to, I want to take you back, back. Okay. Back. You started in music. You started where? Oh, you want to go right back to the Yeah. I want to go back. I want to, no, I want to hear a little bit about this. Nudging at the womb, at the I wanna, wall, yeah. the, the uterus kind exactly. of thing. Yeah. Exactly. All back there. Sure. Um, okay. Um, born in Los Angeles. Yes. 
at age of two. If you really want to go back to this, that's the end. William Charles Schneider. William Charles Schneider. Just like it said on the thing when I when they had the passport thing. It's all true. All this stuff is true. All this stuff about killing people. I'm sorry to say, is there a statute of limitations on murder? <laughs> there, I think I that's the only thing that's the only that thing there is no, Well, maybe yeah. I shouldn't discuss yeah, that. Yeah, don't then. discuss probably, that. Probably. Wait, um, do you go by William Charles Schneider at all? My passport no. says it, yeah. Does it really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, my passport says it, yeah. Because you've never officially changed your name? Well, it's I my my lawyers and everybody says it's just a hassle. You have to go to court and do it. I've been trying to do it, but they just it's say it's really a lot of hassle. So my passport says William Charles. I fly over to Europe under that in a name. What about your license here? It's Creed Bratton. Yeah, and then it goes it goes back and forth. You know, I haven't running from the law for years. You know that. <laughs> well, that's not a joke this either. Does not surprise me. No, exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so was your was your first big year? I mean. Was your first band the Grassroots? No, my goodness gracious. Uh, okay, so my my I was born in L.A. My father died in the war. Okay, moved up to Corsco, California. By the age of thirteen, I started playing guitar. I mean, I had played trumpet for years, and right. I was first chair all the way through grammar school and high school and stuff like that. And I read music, and then my grandfather uh, Charles. Uh, he played uh, guitar in a country and western band, and my grandmother played drums called the Happy Timers. Then I had a band called the Torquays. We played when I was 17. I was working professionally with this band, playing lead guitar, playing all songs from the 50s and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Up in Bass Lake, California. And then I had a band called the Leanders, which means Greek lovers. Okay. And I was in college. Okay. And I and I always played to make money. You know, that's how I got, how I got through school. You know, right. To play guitar. And I was a drama major up at Sacramento State, and I had another band there. But right at the end of college, I went off to Europe. And then I got joined a group called the Young Californians. And that was the band I traveled around for almost two and a half years in Europe, North Africa, the Red Curtain countries, Israel. We worked on a cast a giant shadow movie there with uh, Frank Sinatra. And you did? John. Yeah, I did. I, I, I still remember Frank Sinatra coming to me. I was just like an early 20s kid, you know, working on the set. And I had my hand on this board, which I didn't know was going to be exploded with, with uh, squibs and stuff. And he comes over and he said, hey, kid. And he's smoking a cigarette. And he said, kid, you can blow your hand off putting your hand on the thing. And I said, what? And he just he moved me away. It was my only Frank Sinatra moment, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. He saved your life. He saved my hand. That's No, you know, this yeah. is what well, I, I, I could. You're right. I could have died. The story is Frank Sinatra saved, saved your life. Yes, you're, you're right. You're, you're, you're good at this right. promo thing. Um, so then, uh, then I got back to Europe a while later and I had a band called the um, 13th Floor. Not to be confused with the Austin man, the 13th floor elevator, which was a big band. It would have confused me. Well, it confused most people. Yeah. And we were playing at the London Fog right next to the Whiskey Go-Go. And we'd been playing all over a year. And we had a chance to become the grassroots. First song, Live for the Day, goes right up the charts. And then we're off. That was your first song? That was the first song was Live for Today. And I was I played guitar, Warren Etner played guitar on that. My friend Bobby Ray played bass, and the great uh, session drummer Hal Blaine played drums on it. Wow. Yeah, the Wrecking Crew. And I, we, I used to play with the Wrecking Crew a lot. You know, they'd be hot. They'd just ad hoc kind of things. They'd bring in different people, and we'd play with them. That's one of the reasons I left the band is because we came back from tour about the third album, and they'd cut some tracks without me, you know? And I went, and, and they said, well, this is the way they do it. And I said, well, no, I don't, I don't like this at all. Because I play, so didn't like right. it. Yeah, that was the deal. Interesting. And so you were with the grassroots for how long? 
uh, four albums from 67, 60, late 66 to 70. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you, you were the biggest star on the set of The Office before The Office. Uh, well, you were kind of the only star. Well, I would say that about the time we arrived there with Steve Carell on the Forty uh, Year Old Virgin, he that didn't was, start till after we started. Maybe, I think you were maybe, the biggest star. It, well, I, I like I like the thing about you know me. Uh, yes, I I like the way you put putting this on. The, Are the you? Thing, did right? you? <laughs> well, no, but it's true. I it mean, might, you, it might be technically true as far as pop culture. Yeah, you had. I mean, you had lived a rock star life. Oh God, for. Yes. Yeah. For years, yeah. For years. Lucky to be alive, my friend. I remember in a very Creed Bratton way, meaning you and your character on the show, Uh John Krasinski and I talked about this all the time, you walking in and beginning to tell a story and truly going, that story is so outlandish, it can't possibly be true, but maybe it is. And I think you did both. I think you told stories that both- I might have embellished them a bit, Brian. You know me. No, but I know- <laughs> But I don't but have to embellish, embellish them much. You don't. But my you, son- You partied but, with Jim Morrison? Of course, yeah. The Doors, my, John Densmore, the drummer, was my best man at my wedding. I hung out with that band all the time. We toured together. Yeah. Of course, yeah. I mean, that's all real. I mean, that's, that's all real. Yeah, yeah. It's all real. So you, you become an actor, and you- um, Studied uh, with the Meisner method with Charles Conrad. I did a bunch of stuff before the office. People just think that that was my first thing, but I, if you look on IMDb, I'd done a bunch of stuff. Right, right. Quincy's and Eight is Enough and a bunch of TV movies and things. You know, John uh, Crosby, the, the, the famous uh, agent, saw me at the Odyssey Theater and I'd done a play with Bo Bridges, you know. And I had my hair, you know, and it was kind of, kind, of, kind of attractive, you know, and very, very confident. So he signed me up, and I didn't have to go out anything. He just said, "You got a job over here." Back in those days, they would just say, "You got a job over here," and I was just working for a couple of years. Wow, with him. And then immediately prior to the office, you were working with Ken Quapas, right? On, I, I met Ken on a Bernie Mac show. He came on the show, and he was a big grassroots fan. So he sent out to Amoeba Records for me to sign some albums for him. And I found he was like an encyclopedia of pop knowledge. He really? had, oh, Ken knows all that stuff. He does. He does. And I reel it off. He's, a, he's such a sweetheart. We know. We love Ken. So I heard from Joe that he was directing uh, The Office in American Workplace. And I went, I love the Ricky Gervais thing. So I did something I've never, ever done before, Brian. I called. He gave me his number. I called the director up. And he, was, he wasn't that startled. I went, oh. I said, look, I just heard you were doing the show I love the Ricky Gervais show so much. I said, is there any way I could come and read for something over there? And he went, you know what? I said, We're, let me talk to Greg. He calls me back. He said, I told him you were a very interesting guy. And he said, I think, I think he said, he said, well, if he's that interesting, let's see if we can work him into the mix. His words were, work him into the mix. So there I am, you know, in the background at the desk, the first season and I read right away, I felt very comfortable with everybody, you know? So when I saw what I had to do, I wrote a scene. I wrote a bunch of talking heads and shot about an hour's worth of stuff, ad-libbed a bunch of stuff, wrote all this crazy stuff, and cut it down to about five or seven, about seven minutes or so, gave it to Greg. You did this yourself? Yeah, yeah. I did it all myself. Did it all myself. Okay, no, wait. All right, wait. Jesus this is true. Christ. Hold on. <laughs> so you're in, you're... You're in the, in back, the back, in yeah. the background. You're in the background season one. Yep. Right. 
but you're like, I, I, I want to be a part. I want to play with yeah, these people. I want to play with these people. Exactly. So you, when when we're done with those first six episodes, you put together essentially a a reel for yourself. I did, yeah, and submitted it. Now, the thing is, what what gave me the impetus was on Diversity Day, I don't, can you remember the name of our first uh, assistant director, the woman? She was with us that first season. Remember her? I do remember I, her, I, but I can't, I can't remember her name right now. So we're now. in Diversity Day. She comes up to me and Phyllis, and we have the name tags on our foreheads and stuff. Yeah. And she says, okay, now you guys just start ad-libbing. And Phyllis goes, oh, wait. He's, I said, no, that's okay. And she looks at me, and I just give her the eyes. And she said, all right, fine. It's your, your funeral, you know. <laughs> so we start talking and stuff. And later on, they come back to me and say, Creed, you were talking. And, and they asked her, and she says, well, I just thought he was part of the, 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 the group, you know. That's because that's the way I was react, acting. And they, they said, no. So they paid me off the side, but they wouldn't give anything after. I also did the voice for the, uh, the elevator, the thing. Yes. I did the voice, and that went over really well for the coal. The for the coal, coal the coal miner, yeah. Yes. And so they saw that I could that I could do the funny stuff, you know. And so I had two things happening already, kind of like doing some little levy, a little fulcrum, as as it were, to right. get, kind of get me segue me into this thing. And then you're right. I wrote I wrote all this stuff down. He Creed was a uh, psychic. I had a scene where uh, I said Krasinski comes up behind me, and I'm, I'm in uh, acquisitions, and I just flip a stapler over my shoulder. I already know what he wants. I think it scared the, the cast, scared the crew. I like scaring people, I said. And this was the guy, you know. And then, of course, they took it. They took it far beyond I could ever I could ever think of what, right. how crazy he would be. But they still incorporated a lot of the weird stuff that I, because I would tell them about rock and roll stories, you know, and the crazy stuff I'd done. Yes. So you submit this tape to Greg, you give it to Greg? Greg Daniels, and, and I think I gave it to, maybe it was it was Greg or Ken, Ken Subornak. Okay. And uh, before I know it, they throw a six and a half page scene on my desk and say, okay, here's your big chance with Steve Carell. Make it or break it. The you Halloween know? episode. Halloween episode. And then that was it, man. Then awesome. I, I told the story before when they came in. I met, had this thing memorized backwards and forwards. Absolutely memorized. And I could, in the middle of the night, I could go, I've got back in my head. Anywhere I wanted, I could go in on that on that scene and know it. Right away, naturally. You know how it goes, Brian. Yeah. They come and say, okay, well, we've changed the thing around. It's going to be in this order here. And we've changed, add some new stuff. And Steve goes, yeah, fine. I'll just glance it over. Hope. Flop sweat. I go, I, I go outside. I'm shaking. I'm absolutely shaking. I said, "Okay, look, I've come this far. I'm just going to wing it." You know. So a lot of that stuff, that 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 stuff, a lot of that stuff is improv too. You know, it just worked. Just worked. I was I was fighting for my life. Wow. Yep. That is amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. And and from then on, I'm a, um, a guest star. But right away, uh, I heard talk when I talked to Greg. He said once he heard me do. Which one, Pam, and someone making soup? He knew. He said I, he knew that that time that was it. And then that just you know, yeah, it was off and running. And lucky us, yeah, lucky me to get to play with you guys. And and you said you were a fan of the British version. Oh God, yes. So I'd, you'd watch. I'd watched them all, and and I thought it was the best. I remember the first uh, time on that old place where we were shooting there over in Los Col- Angeles. Yeah, Culver uh, City in Culver, Culver Studios. Culver Studios. And Greg said, "Look, we're going to try to do this." From BBC Radio Four. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. 
he says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Saying we're not going to have a laugh track. We're going to have a lot of uncomfortable pauses, you know. And I looked around everybody and everyone was nodding, you know, sage-like. Like we all knew it was cool. We didn't know if it was going to work or not. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and it did. It's interesting now that I'm thinking about it because, you know, I don't think I was aware until today like how actively you were trying to get in. I did oh, not oh, know that, no, I knew, that diversity I spot. knew, and I didn't know. Obviously, I couldn't know the show was going to be that show. I just knew that my little voice was saying, this feels right. This is what you want to be a part of. And besides, I was very comfortable with everyone, yeah. you know. We all laughed. We enjoyed each other's company. I mean, I certainly did. I know that I'd get feedback from everybody. So I said, you know what? I, I think I could just be very, very happy here. So yeah. I did everything I could. I worked hard. I don't think I've ever uh, ever shot a thing like that and submitted it before, you know? And if I'd have told anybody, they would have tried to talk me out of it. You know damn well they would have. You know? Right. Because you just don't do stuff like you that. You don't do that. No, yeah. no. But I, I, I wasn't going to let anybody know my, my Machiavellian plan. <laughs> It's a hard time for hiring, so you need a hiring partner built for hard times. That's Indeed. If you're hiring, you need Indeed, because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites hoping to find candidates with the right skills, you need one hiring partner that can help you do it all. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process. Find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. 
With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your job description, and you can invite them to apply right away. Plus, you only pay for quality applications that meet your must-have requirements. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash Office Deep Dive. Offer valid through March 31st. Go to Indeed.com slash Office Deep Dive to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. Indeed.com slash Office Deep Dive. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Look through your children's eyes to see the true magic of a forest. It's a storybook world for them. You look and see a tree. They see the wrinkled face of a wizard with arms outstretched to the sky. They see treasure and pebbles. They see a windy path that could lead to adventure. And they see you, their fearless guide through this fascinating world. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. On the latest season of The Next Question with Katie Couric podcast, Katie dives into, well, Katie. Hear exclusive podcast-only conversations between Katie and the people who made her memoir going there possible. We spent a lot of time together uh, around a dining room table here and in the city and... You know, it it was a very intense experience. All episodes of Next Question with Katie Couric are available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. When, as you're watching the first episodes unfold and certainly being a part of it like you talked about in diversity day but when when did you feel like we might have something cool was it right away no no i some people say that i didn't i didn't have a clue and i knew well right after the first we knew we were going to thought that possibly we were going to be canceled we thought we were going to be canceled there and then he called us back um I guess I think it's one day driving in there to work and it's seen Steve's forty-year-old uh, virgin right there on uh, Woodman, right there before Satakoy, and I saw the poster and I went, "Okay, wow, this is this is kind of interesting." And uh, I, I think if we'd been on a lot, it would have been different. Been being, being off in that little uh, microcosm that we were, uh, we which was great to be by ourselves like that. You know, we didn't we didn't really we were in a bubble. We didn't really see it. I, I think it probably took to, took me maybe to the end of the second season or the third season to realize, wait a second, you know, this looks like this could be uh, something serious, you know. Right. Yeah. But you but you said before, like in terms of not necessarily becoming a hit. No. But that we were doing something cool. Yeah, we're, we're doing good work. And I know I laugh because I watch shows all the time and most of the stuff doesn't make me laugh. But I see, and I knew what these shows were and I would still laugh. So I say, well, if I'm laughing and I already know what's happening, then it's got to be pretty good. Right. That's, that's the uh, criteria. Yeah. Right. What do you think that it did for the show? Right. So The Office comes out of, you know, for lack of a better phrase, like the Friends era. Yeah. People were expected to look a certain way on television. Um, what do you think that that did for us? That that Allison Jones and Ken and Greg that that they cast people who didn't necessarily look like primetime TV stars. 
I think that was the genius of it. I think it was the beauty of it because people, the average Joe, can could could relate to it, you know. And I mean, the average Joe, not in a deprecating way at all, just your the basic person on the street. They're not glamour pusses, you know. Not everybody is a glamour puss, you know. Right. These are average people, and as you know, a lot of people um, thought it was a documentary, and they really didn't know it was a show for a while. Yeah. Which, which is that's brilliant if that happens. Yeah, that it's really not about the way the characters looked, but it was the specific way the the characters were written, the specific traits that they had, um, that I think made people respond to it, right? I think everybody uh, is trying to find lightning in a bottle, and they're they're trying to to say how did how did this happen? How did this thing become part of the zeitgeist? What? Well, it's the synergy between us as as a cast, the writers, the directors, the crew, and when you throw it all together, you're tr- you're trying to go, okay, where is this little spark that makes it work? It's it's up in the it's up in the you know it's like I'm, Creed's now blowing with his fingers this effervescent I don't know what it is thing <laughs> right which we'll know but it's it's it is it was magic it was a little bit of magic yeah. And I, I, I think the writing was so brilliant, you know. I don't know about you, but I get scripts all the time sent to me to, you know, to try to do that char- Creed character again. And I look at it, and it's not, not anywhere near those the writers we had. Come on. The, the writers are so important. So important. We just had to be ourselves and in character and then say, say the lines without adding anything to it. And it worked. They, they saw the big picture. Yeah. There was something about the construction of the writing staff and the actors and the crew and really everyone involved that everybody cared. Yes. Yes. That was it. They, that, we cared. Yeah. That, that there wasn't, it wasn't about so often it's about self-promotion or about, you know, well, if I do this, then this will get me to this other show, or you know, I want people to see that I can do this or that or whatever. But I felt like really, at at its core, the people on this show were just trying to make a really good show. Yes, I I I, I totally agree. When we were there on the set in those days, it was all about just that was the office, and everybody there was part of the office, the crew and the cast and the writers. And I think and you, you, we've all mentioned this before, having the writers in the in the cast and having them take their ear on the street and then going back to the writer's room. And then that's, that parlayed into that brilliance too. Yeah. Well, you talked before about you telling stories. About- yes, yes. And they'd hear, and they'd come around and pick my brain sometimes, you know. Um, I think I told the story about uh, Live for Today with the grassroots hits. There was one of the lines in uh, in Live for Today was, "Baby, I need to feel you inside of me. I need to feel you deep inside of me." Billboard magazine came out with an article and said, regarding the uh, <clears throat> the band, uh, the Grassroots, and uh, the hit song "Live for Today." We assume that the Grassroots are a heterosexual band, and we went, "What?" We were freaking out because we're all from you know. Uh, Warren and I had been the rhythm guitar, and I had been to Europe in college. The other two had never been out of California, I don't think. Right. So they were freaking out. And I was saying, chill, chill, it's okay, relax. And I said, but I had this, seriously, after that article for a year, I had this reoccurring dream, and I'd wake up in the middle of the night, and all my ex-girlfriends were coming at me in a circle, angry, naked, with strap-ons. And I'd wake up in a cold sweat, a cold sweat, and a little titillated, too, I got to say. 
But but I told that story to thing, and then of course they did the uh, the, the gay witch hunt story. <laughs> uh, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> I don't know how much of that is true. Yeah. I don't know how much of that yeah. you don't know either. <laughs> the one I always no, it is true though. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Yes. <laughs> so I remember, mm-hmm. I remember this. I mean, I think this is one you used a lot, but the one that I always tell was <laughs> us in the conference room one day. This is really early on. And um, I don't even know if we can use this or not, but I'm going to at least tell you now. Okay, sure. I remember you, something happened and you go, yeah, yeah. That reminds me of snorting cocaine off a. Of, Hooker's ass at the Playboy Mansion with Jim Morrison. <laughs> no, it's probably your paraphrasing. And Lust yeah, yeah. looking around, going, yeah. "Wait, what did he just say?" <laughs> so many words together <laughs> that sounds it's wrong, totally wrong. Really yeah, and, we, and we'll never know. Now you know. we'll never know. That is true. And I certainly don't know anymore. Yeah, being adult as I am. <laughs> so, what combination is the character Creed Bratton? How much of the character of Creed Bratton is you? Well, you've known me long enough to know that that I am not actually. And we used to, and we used to play him up to. I, I wrote him as because I did write the character in the beginning. So he was. Um, think of myself as a as a crack tuning fork. It's a it's a it's filibrating and it's all almost ready to break. And this it's and I I wrote the physical comedy is from Jacques Tati and the way he he physically walks. The facial expressions are Jack Benny, uh, George Goebel, uh, Bob Newhart, and it's, it's a, you know, juxtaposition of all those characters that I loved, and that's that's how my comedy came around. And then I then I so I tried to write a character. Uh, my original premise was that Creed, rock star, had an over overdose. He passed out on a Greyhound bus, ended up in a dumpster in Scranton, and Ed Truck brought him in and gave him a job. As in in the store as a salesman in the in the Dunder Mifflin, where he was horrible at, and then they were frightened of him and stuck him over. So that was the premise, basically. And so he was just yeah, he's an extension, obviously an extension of this rock and roll guy. But I mean, I would be worn out if I had to be him all the time because because he, right. he's he's operating on that higher. High, he's uh, what's what's something against soup? That kind of he's he's hyped up, you know. Was there something physically you did? In terms of getting yeah, into that character, yeah, yep, like what, to, what, what, what was your? It was almost like uh, getting myself a, a hiccup, a physical hiccup, it's just almost a nervous twitch to be him. Yeah, got it. And, and even and I had, and I they thought it was joking sometimes. I'd say, wait a minute, I'm not, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Well, what do you mean you're playing? No, I'm not. I'm a, I'm a I'm a rock guy. I'm a musician. You know, I, I write these soulful songs, and that's that's who I am. You know, I'm more, much more serious and thoughtful than that character. But when I'm in the, behind the desk, I'm uh, the chicanery involved. There's escaping from the law. There's there's always been one step of somebody in my eyes and just thinking, are they going to find me out? That was always my backstory. Are they going to find me out? So that's when every time I look at anybody, I, the the thing in the back of my mind was, are, are going to see that I'm just faking it here and, and I, I'm cheating them and stealing from. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. 
Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Them. We were there so much that after a while, you, it becomes ingrained in your behavior. Right. And you keep it sometimes in between. When, say when Creed is leaving the... Uh, office, oh, sorry, there's been a murder committed here. Uh, oh, and Steve, and I go, well, I'll be right back. And you see my body, my body head out. That's, that's very uh, Jacques Tati, you know? When I was in Europe, I, I watched a lot of those, that, that, his comedy, and I just loved his physical movements, you know? So I would emulate, emulate those I know exactly movements. what you're talking yeah, about. That's very yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's funny. It's, it's half Charlie Chaplin and half uh, Jacques Tati, yeah. basically, yeah. What was your job in the office? Uh, quality assurance, quality, quality, quality assurance, which he never did. Which yeah. He never did. Was there any, <laughs> which he never did. <laughs> what he does... The one time he didn't go, he came, he came in one time in a year and missed up on something. That's when the car, two characters were having sex on the, right? yeah. yeah in, the, he, in the background and of the And he frames, paper. uh, Debbie Brown. He finds she's the only one not at work that day. And so he blames on her. Then he collects money at the end and pockets it himself. He's such a scum, scummy guy. <laughs> What, what exactly is the job of quality? Oh, I don't fucking know, man. <laughs> That's the thing. I didn't want to be found out because yeah. I didn't do any work. Yeah. Yeah. Just push papers, literally push papers right on the desk. Yeah, you know? I'm not sure Kevin did either. Um, <laughs> he invented the Clevin. He, he did invent the Clevin. He did that. So that's, you have that to live with. Yes. Um. So you talked about, Season two, you know, the end of season two, um, we win the Emmy. Casino night was our last one. Right? We had yeah. in a casino night. Such a fun episode. We had gotten, you know, shortly before that, after like getting six episodes and two and four and one and three. And in season two, you know, we get a full season pickup for season three and we win the Emmy. 
after yeah, season two. Heady stuff. What do you remember about those? I times? never. I always. I'm. A, I'm almost. I'm a stoic philosophy guy, Brian. And I just. I live in the moment. I don't predict that anything's going to happen. I just do the work as the day comes. And so I didn't look too far ahead. I just, you know, just tried to be there and be there now, as they say. When we go to the red carpet events in the limos, that was the first time that I felt a little like, and it felt like back in the grassroots days, kind of something and going to a big show or something like that. I thought, okay, I kind of remember this this energy. It's a rush. It's kind of great. Yeah. When did you start getting recognized as being Creed Bratton from The Office? I think about the third season. I was in Trader Joe's and and walking along, and a woman pulled her child away from me, and I and I I was alarmed but i was kind of pleased that, that my character did that to someone you know <laughs> and then she looked apologetic and i did say to her i said i'm just an actor i said <laughs> i said i'm not i did say i'm not that guy and she's like she just said sure she just pulled the head covered her child's eyes and moved away <laughs> and i took it as a compliment i remember my um i did this movie years ago a peter mcdonish film called mask with uh uh, Eric Stoltz and Samuel yeah. and Cher. I was the ticket taker in that in that movie. Okay. And my daughter was studying at the uh, Performing Academy in, in, in Manhattan. And she went with her friends to see the movie and they, she didn't tell them that I was in it. And when I did my scene with Sam Elliott, you know, yeah, whatever the line was, you know, like that day, all went, what an asshole. And she said, Dad, I was so proud of you. <laughs> and, and I felt really good that they thought it was an asshole. Yes, yes. That's awesome. <laughs> so great. <laughs> That's so awesome. <laughs> what grows in the forest? Trees? Sure. Know what else grows in the forest? Our imagination, our sense of wonder, and our family bonds grow too. Because when we disconnect from this and connect with this, we reconnect with each other. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. I'm Colleen Witt. Join me, the host of Eating While Broke podcast, while I eat a meal created by self-made entrepreneurs, influencers, and celebrities over a meal they once ate when they were broke. Today, I have the lovely AJ Crimson, the official princess of Compton, Asia. Kidding, and Asia. This is The Professor. We're here on Eating While Broke, and today I'm going to break down my meal that got me through a time when I was broke. Listen to Eating While Broke on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Paris Hilton. Last year, I revealed the story of my abuse at Provo Canyon School. Since then, thousands of survivors have come forward. Now, I'm on a mission to expose the truth of the entire industry. In this weekly investigative podcast, me and my host, Rebecca Mellinger and Caroline Cole, will examine one infamous teen treatment facility each season. First up, Provo Canyon School. This one is personal. When you first get there, you have to experience girls screaming, locked up, peeing themselves, in the hallway sleeping. And you're like, where am I? Holy heck, this is not what I expected. Listen to Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
you talked about the magic, and and it is unexplainable. It is. Why do you think that the show connects so well with young people? You know, like it's a show about. I actually looked this up. I mean, this is a side story. Uh, last night, because we did the thing for your birthday. That which, was, and by the way, thank you guys so which, much. It blew my mind. I didn't see it coming. Yes. I didn't which, see it coming. Which, by the way, everyone, it's tomorrow. It's his birthday. Because <laughs> oh. I looked it up because I was like, is it actually today? No, it's tomorrow. And nobody knew. So I looked it up. And this is a very weird story that okay. I'm, I'm saying right. this because right. I'm I, I'm pretty sure you're, you're the oldest, but I was looking at it sure. and going, other than John and Jenna and BJ, I'm the youngest. Like, like you really of, are, of our, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like all those guys, and so, but even I, you know, when the show started, I was 31. Oh my God, I thought you were older than that. Yeah, I mean, that's well, you're such a you're a kid. Yeah, you're a little sprout there. Yeah. Well, anymore. It's been a long time. Um, but my point is, is, was that, you know, we were still like, you know, early middle-aged to upper middle-aged group of people who worked in an office. And I always thought, oh, well, this, you know, if everyone works in an office or everybody goes to work, like thinking those are the people that it would really appeal to. Not, and not that it doesn't, but it has such a young audience base. Why do you think that oh, is? Oh, man, Brian. I, I, I used to think it was because of the sweetness of the show. And, and there was a heart. That the show has a heart, without a doubt. It's undeniable. And how, how does that happen? I don't know. But I, I also think, now that in retrospect, um, there's so much anguish. There's only so much vampires blowing up and and threats of of all this stuff and the angst the existential angst of whatever we're experiencing now my god there's a cartoon the other day where a guy's looking at his dog he says i'm so glad you don't have to know what's going on right now it's kind of that thing our show didn't really torture people with with the immediacy of of our demise as and so it it relaxed them it relaxes people I think it's one of those shows that relaxes people and they go to it to make themselves feel happy. And I think we also came in at a time where uh, it doesn't look that dated for an office. You know, there were cell phones, there were computers. You know, if you go back a little more, you don't see that stuff. So right. it kind of dates it. We just came in at that sweet spot, I think, too. And it's, and it's, and it's definitely funny. And people can relate to it. Not even if you're an office or not. The interpersonal relationship of all these people and who do it so well, you know. Yeah. Well, it's, I, I have to give credit because I'm not this smart, but I was speaking to um, this woman who's a, a television critic, and she was talking about some of the, you know, political, economic things that are going on in our world. And, you know, it was a show about a small paper company oh. in Scranton, Pennsylvania, but what, what she was talking to me about is those businesses now, they don't exist. No. And there's a nostalgia in a way, like, like who would have thought that would actually be a good job, right? Now, if you're in that industry, you work at Staples or Office Max or Target or Walmart, you know, yeah. like you're working for Superstore, like that television show now, like if that's the progression from the office, it's a big box store it's that impersonal. has no humanity yep. or heart. Yep. I think that's a very interesting idea. Uh-huh. I agree. And if you wanted to work with people and make relationships, you'd want to be at Dunder Mifflin, not in an impersonal staples, you know, because you get lost and you might, it might happen. Right. 
And people want to kind of, we're, we're, we need that stuff in our, in our lives. We're losing a lot of it, unfortunately. Yeah. Like the, the concept of the show, the conceit, right, is like, oh, here's a boring, here's a boring <laughs> office job yeah. in a paper company, right? But if you look at the alternative, it's slinging paper at Target. Like, that's not. That's, no. 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 This is much better. Yeah. We're a little, we're a little biased too, though. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> I mean, certainly. Um, when Greg left to go start Parks and Rec, Mike and Greg left. Yeah. And Jen Salata and Paul were there. Did you notice any any change really? Because Greg was still around. Yeah, no, he's around for a while. I think I think it I took me a while to to feel that uh, there was more of a I don't know, a hodgepodgey, a hodgepodgey feeling after he left for a while. I don't know. I I could I couldn't even actually put my finger on if there was a cohesive thread that there was missing but i think there was to some degree maybe it's just my uh 2020 hindsight that i know that now so that i can you know superimpose those feelings over it but i um uh, i kind of felt uh i did feel for sure when he came back the the ship was righted to it at some degree mm. yeah i have to say that yeah but I'm, I'm a big greg fan obviously you know we all are but you know why well, because he just seemed to always support. He was he had my back, you know, and he'd uh, he'd allow me to play music. He allowed me to play music in the show, which is a huge thing, you know. And he gave me. Uh, I remember one time I was did some ad lib stuff, and I thought maybe I was right in the beginning, and I thought maybe I was usurping my position somewhat. And I came to him and said, "Do you think I should have thrown that thing in there?" He said, "No, no, no. I don't want you to censor yourself, Evercree. Just just say it out there." Patted me on the back, and I went, "Okay." This is, he gave me the, the carte blanche to continue on being my insane self. <laughs> yeah. Sweetness, yeah. And he's so damn smart. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Um, Steve basically becomes a giant movie star. Yes. In season two. Talk to me a little bit about either any recollections, not even recollections, how was he like to work with? You know, you started that first scene in Halloween. It was six and a half pages with him, right? Well, he was very giving and gracious, you know, and uh, he he allowed me uh, the space to to uh, to jump up and just do do stuff, you know, and uh, and he and we just kept going. We just professionally just kept going. It was a long day. We were in that office for a long time, but I had so much respect for him. And later on, I think it was season two, he was doing some scenes. And oh, it was at the end of. Is that wonderful, wonderful scene where the children come up at, at the end of Halloween? Yeah. And you see what heart this guy has, you know? And I remember some other scene, you could see it. And I came up to him one day and I told him, I said, you are a really, really good dramatic actor, Steve. And I think he was a little embarrassed and taken because he's shy in a way, you know? Right. He is. And I said, no, really. And he said, I, I think I embarrassed him just a little bit because I had such great respect for the guy. And also, you know, as you know, how hard it is not to laugh when he's doing, when he comes in as prison mic or in the, in the big overweight suit, you know, the thing, it's so hard not Michael, to laugh. Michael Clump. Michael Clump. Yeah. Just so, so brilliant, you know, just great to watch. And I learned a lot from watching him too. I learned a lot from everybody that came on, just, you know, uh, Spader, when I watched Spader work, I, I was picking his, his nuances and stuff like crazy. I pay very close attention to that stuff, people that I respect and yeah. watch and file it away for characters for later. Yeah. Yeah. When did you find out that he was leaving? I uh, 
basically that scene in there when I say, see you tomorrow, boss, I thought he was still staying. No, no, we all knew. And yeah. uh, that was hard. That was hard. I, I wasn't sure, you know. I think I probably voiced it with a few people. I said, you know what, I think it might be time to just stop, you know. I really felt that. I thought, you know, without him, how can this, how can it possibly go on? How can it go on? And I would have understood, you know. I really, I'm glad, obviously, we got to go on. And uh, obviously the finale uh, redeemed us in a way. I believe that finale just kind of like pulled the thing together. There were some great moments too. But I don't think they, they ever came up to where the stuff with Steve. I just don't think so. Do you? I f am tremendously proud quite frankly, of the entire ninth season. I feel like it's a little underappreciated in a way. I think that we were continuing to try to find the right formula in terms of who was the boss, but I think the show just started functioning differently. I feel like not a whole lot of shows gets to end on their own terms and, and tell the end of a story that they wanted yeah, to tell. And the yeah. idea of you know Greg wanting to finish the story in that way, I felt like... He was able to do it, and, yes. and and I thought did it very effectively. Uh, well, that was like I say, I just, that finale was. So, but did you feel at the time that when when Steve left, that you would have been happy, uh, saying, "Okay, let's just call it"? No, no, no. You wanted to continue on. Yeah, personally, I think the show could still be on right now. It would have turned into like ER and people would have left and new people coming in. I'd be dead. Had, my character would be dead. <laughs> you, no, although I don't think Greg would ever let anybody die who was there. I don't know. I, but maybe, maybe. Um, before the finale, did you have a conversation with Greg? Yes, yes. He oh. uh, he called me. Uh, and you know, he'd asked everybody. He said, I want to know what your, your feedback is. How do you think the... Uh, the character Creed should leave. And I told him, uh, I thought of it for a while, and I said, I think this this song of mine, All the Faces, I could be at Poor Richards playing my guitar. You guys, the cast, all walks in, and I'm singing All the Faces, and uh, the camera comes in on each of you. And he said, I like that idea. That's the last I heard of it until the table read. And then I saw at that time, and I almost cried. I literally did, Brian. I went, oh, my God. I looked around. There was my guitar. I didn't know I was going to sing that song until the table read. That was the first time I heard about it. Really? They kept, they kept it, they kept it just as a surprise. It was emotional. Wait, they they had your guitar? Or yeah. Was... No, the, the PA went and got my guitar and had it there. And I looked around like this. And I went, oh, and I see reading the script. I'm going, oh, my God, I'm going to sing the song. And went, they're, Greg's letting me sing my song. And I look around. And they're, they're, all, they're standing back there smiling. And they got my guitar. They, they, they planned this, you know. Will you play will you play a little bit for me? All right. Okay, I gotta turn my phone on just for a second, guys, to uh tune up this axe. You see. This is the guitar I used actually on the on the show. This this old Martin. And John, oh it's a good story. John, we couldn't get the microphone on the thing in the shot. So Krasinski said he'd hold this the shotgun mic. He had it under his arm. When we were recording. You couldn't hide a mic. I couldn't hide the mic for the guitar itself. And uh, then John said, well, I'll just hold the uh, this shotgun mic under my arm. Because he was the closest to me. Because he was the closest to me. And, yeah. so, and he was sitting there talking to, looking over at Pam, but all the time he's holding it right there in the sound hole. Right. Yeah. He's a team player, that boy. We know that. All right, for you.
I saw a friend today, it had been a while And we forgot each other's names But it didn't matter cause deep inside The feeling still remained the same We talked of knowing one before you've met And how you feel more than you see other worlds that lie in spaces in between Angels we can see And all the faces that I know Have that same familiar glow I think I must have known them somewhere once before All the faces that I know All the faces we see each and every day When we get home at night There's one face we need And when my mind's absorbed on my private little screen And I'm walking blind through a sea of unknown men I hear a voice reminding there across the street Walks an old forgotten friend And we don't have to say a word It's really better left unsaid Just lights through eyes that recognize All the faces I know All the faces All the faces we see each and every day When we get home at night There's one face we need And all the faces I see each and every day When I get home at night face I need when I get home at night. You're the only face I need. So great. There we go. So great, dude. <laughs> yeah, it, it, um, yeah, it gets me every time. Um, we're six years since you sang that song mm -hmm. in the finale. Right. Do you feel like the show is bigger now than it was then? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And I can tell because I'm always out on the road playing in front of people. And I started out uh, with, on the show with 285, 300 people. Now it's 800, 1,000 coming to see my show. And they come up to me and they're younger and the kids that watch the show then are grown up. They've turned their younger siblings onto it. Their children. I mean, my God, there's pe young people who were born by that time who've already have seen the show and, and know the show. It's un it's un it's crazy, right? It is. Right. And I don't know how long how long this thing will last, but it seems to me that it just keeps growing. 
you yeah. know, went away. Why do you think? <sighs> I think all the stuff we talked about before, the heart, the heart. I just think we should just enjoy it. I mean, you try to try to figure out why. I mean, if somebody could figure it out, sure, that would be great. But I don't think you can articulate exactly where where the the magic occurs and how it occurs. Yeah, I just accept it and be grateful. What are you most thankful for? Waking up in the mornings. <laughs> From your experience on the office. Um, oh my gosh, so many things, Brian. So many things. You know, uh, just. To, to, to find that you can actually get together with a bunch of people in a community effort and and make make a wonderful thing you know and get like like you say without the backbiting without the egos and stuff like that for everybody pulling together for a purpose it's that it's that 60s thing that we grew up we thought we could change something you know and we did with that show as, as a game changer and uh, to find that you, you can work uh, and in a harmonious environment is pretty rewarding stuff. We all got to laugh every day. So it wasn't like work. Yeah. To get to in, be in, that's the thing for me. I get to go to do something that I just enjoy. It's never like work. It's a, it's a blessing. It's an absolute blessing. Yeah. Yeah. It's too bad it had to end. <laughs> but it, they, good things have to, all good things. We gosh, we had a song, all good things come to an end. That's true, you know. Creed, we were a family. Without, I think we still are in, we in still many, are. many ways, you know, for yeah. sure. We still are. You can't take that away. It's, it's ingrained in us now. Um, I love you. I love you, man. And uh, thanks for coming in and talking to oh, me. Oh, come on. It was my pleasure. And offering, uh, well, not just your song, but your uh, your, your sense of humor <laughs> and, and thoughtfulness. So, no, thank thanks, you. Buddy. Thank you, man. Thank you. Is this now? Are you recording right now from your home studio? I'm going to turn the recording on right now. Thank you for reminding okay. me. There we go. I'm recording from my home studio. Yes, indeed. You're recording from your home studio. It's so good to talk to you. Um, <laughs> so, when I was putting together this podcast, we started talking about oh, what music, and I was like, well. What if we go to Creed? Like, let's let's look at some of Creed's music, some of his new stuff. And I hear your song, Bubble and Squeak, and I just fall in love with it. Like, I just, I, it was like oh, the perfect man. vibe for me. So wh where did Bubble and Squeak come from? Where did the inspiration for that come from? Bubble and Squeak, I... Um... Was a year last year or the year before? I, it's been so long now. It seems like we have been held held up, you know, held for ransom in these in our homes. Right. Um, I went to Romania and shot this movie called The Sisters Brothers, and uh, came back and I was spent, spending some time in London, staying at a hotel there, and just kind of cruising around. And I this is my one, two, third, third or fourth time there, and I went to have dinner or, or, or lunch or something, and there on the menu it said Bubble and Squeak. And all these years that I've been there, I never had it. I never. I was always curious. So I finally asked the waiter, I said, what does this mean? And they said, oh, it's when you take a bunch of stuff, you know, and you just, from, from lunch or dinner the day before, and next morning you throw it all in a pan and you add some eggs. So I said, well, I do that all the time. And I, and I do. I, I, I keep my uh, right. dinner leftovers. And a lot of people do just toss them in with eggs. It's a great way to have a breakfast that way. So. Um, it's kind of like your show. And I, I commented, I think this is just kind of like your show.
because you're taking all these bits and pieces and stuff and you're not really sure what's going to, you hope it's going to turn out great. And you throw, you throw it in the pan and you see what's, what's going to happen. Yes. We're taking what everybody said, whatever's left, and we're going to put it in a pan and cook it up and try to deliver something fun and good. Well, Creed, thank you so much for of coming back course. on and talking about the song. Thanks for letting us use thank, Bubble and Sweet. And thank you for you. No, thank you for using it. I, I do appreciate it, my friend. No, ab- absolutely. I cannot wait for people to hear uh, the rest of Mr. Creed Bratton. So thanks so much, man. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you, Brian. Love okay. you, buddy. Love you too. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, folks, I don't know about you, but something about that guy just, I don't know, it just tugs at my old heartstrings. He is truly one of a kind, and I am a better person for knowing him. Uh, So thank you so much, Creed, for joining me in the studio, and uh, again, for letting me use your fantastic song that works so perfectly for this podcast. You rock. And thanks to all of you for listening. You rock as well, I guess. And uh, I will see you all right back here next week for another episode of The Office Deep Dive. The Office Deep Dive is hosted and executive produced by me, Brian Baumgartner, alongside our executive producer, Lang Lee. Our senior producer is Tessa Kramer. Our producer is Adam Macias. Our associate producer is Emily Carr. And our assistant editor is Diego Tapia. My main man in the booth is Alec Moore. Our theme song, Bubble and Squeak, performed by my great friend Creed Bratton. And the episode was mixed by Seth Olansky. Hello, this is Christina Hutchinson. And Corinne Fisher. We're thrilled to announce that our show, Guys We F*** the Anti-Slut-Shaming Podcast, is returning to wide release. That's right. Every Friday, we talk to one of our favorite comedians or an expert in the field of sexuality, love, and relationships. To hear what all the f***s are about, subscribe now. And listen to the Luminary original podcast, Guys We F*** starting January 21st on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever felt depressed about work only to have your dad be like, why are you so down? So you told him you hate your job and he said, well, you better talk yourself out of it. And then you thought, hmm, I love to talk. I could host a podcast. And then you went to Spreaker from iHeart and started a podcast and got good at it, then monetized it, then quit your boring job, then told your dad, thanks for the advice. And he was like, well, that's not what I meant. And I don't understand what a podcast is, but you seem happy. So that's great, kiddo. You ever do that? Well, you could at Spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R. Ask your dad. You actually don't. Mama, what does the chicken say? Uh, dog. Cat. Giraffe. Giraffe, really? Giraffe. Uh, giraffe. You're not going to get it all right. Just make sure you nail the big stuff, like making sure your kids are buckled correctly in the right seat for their age and size. Get it right. 
visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.